Let's do that hockey. Welcome back, everybody, to the Dauber Prospects Radio Podcast, episode 110. And we're going back to my top 10 prospect rankings through the league. And today, episode 110 lands on the Chicago Blackhawks. And my special guest for this episode is first-time guest Ben Kerr from the Last Word on Sports uh, webpage. If you're not familiar with it, I really recommend it. Um, you know, I go through and I, I look at their rankings a lot. Uh, not only do they have player rankings, but they they really break it down for you in, in attributes. They talk about players skating, their offense, their defense. Uh, they give a little blurb on them. Uh, and they, they do a lot more than just, just prospect rankings. And they talk about a lot of sports besides hockey as well. But their hockey content is really, really quite good. And because of that, I'm very pleased to have uh, Ben Kerr, the the COO of Last Word on Sports, on the podcast. Ben, thank you very much for joining me. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you guys for, for having me. I've always, uh, I think we're, we're cross-referencing each other because I've always... Uh, looked at uh at some of the stuff over at dober and at, and at nhl rumors as well so right on yeah well you know i don't do all the writing at dober and very little anymore but uh it's, it's good stuff there so ah, thanks for reading man all right so today we're going to talk about chicago blackhawks prospects so the hawks are a team in each each one of these episodes i kind of do a little bit of um like a, a organizational overview first before I really, um, you know, tuck in. And, uh, you know, this summer I thought was was a really interesting direction that the team took. You know, they they kind of went into a rebuild last year. Uh, they didn't have Jonathan Taves for the entire season. Um, you know, they, they kind of lost a step a little bit there. Uh, and it looked like it was a really good season for them to enter a rebuild. Uh, sort of tank era and I'm not sure if it's because Jonathan Taves is is slated to return this season but it seems like they've turned the corner on that and the quick rebuild the reboot is over Um, they traded their first round pick away which was a high end pick and acquired uh, Seth Jones Uh, they also picked up Marc-Andre Fleury for a song and Tyler Johnson, who's looked fantastic for them in the preseason. Uh, they added some other guys, too, like uh, Puce Suter. And they cut bait with um, Duncan Keith. Uh, Corey Crawford was let go last season. Uh, Brent Seabrook is gone as well. So I was a little bit surprised that, you know, their, their dynasty run was built through the draft on Taves and Kane and Keith and Crawford. And those are all guys that, if I'm not mistaken, that they drafted. So, you know, I kind of thought that, all right, so there'll be like two or three years here where the Hawks go ahead and load up on some, some top 10, top five lottery pick prospects and, uh, and, and restart. They decided not to do that. Were you surprised by that decision as well? Or is this kind of what you were thinking? I was surprised by it um, going into the summer. I mean, there was a lot, a lot of smoke went right before Seth Jones happened. Once they acquired his brother in the in the Duncan Keith trade, you could see where it was going. But I mean, if you go back a month prior to that, it 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 did it, it was a bit shocking. Especially nobody knew what was going on with Taves. Um, that was one of the big issues. And then you looked at a team that were right in the playoff. I think they looked at themselves as a team that didn't have Taves and were right in the playoff hunt for three quarters of the season. And then their goaltending, which was so good to start the year in, in Lankanen, uh, let them down, down the stretch. So you had a team that, that said to themselves, you know what, we're not that bad. We've still got Patrick Kane. We've still got some pieces here. We're getting Taves back. Um, let's get a goalie and, and let's get a new number one defenseman. And uh, that's what the, that's what they did. So you can kind of see the logic there. I mean, Seth Jones will be debated till the end of time by the eye test people versus the advanced stats people as to whether he's a true number one defenseman or not. Um, but uh, that you, you can see exactly what the Blackhawks were thinking, which is, you know, if we get a number one goalie, uh, if we get our, our top center back, we add another guy in, in Tyler Johnson. We're going to get a full season now of Kirby Doc. 
you can see where they're thinking we're a lot stronger up the middle. We add a little bit on defense. We add a goalie and, and away we go. Sure. Hey, I mean, basically these days, all you need to do is, is get into the playoffs. And unless you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, you got a chance to win a round or, or go deep. And uh, especially with a guy like Marc-Andre Fleury, who's got a cup uh, on his resume and, um, and an Olympic gold medal. And he's, you know, he's a proven winning goaltender um, if he's healthy. So uh, some people might debate that, but uh, his record speaks for itself. All right. So, yeah, they do have, uh, I, I would agree with you with what you just said there. I, I, maybe another part of it, just to kind of push it in the other direction here a little bit, is I don't think that their prospect pool is very good. I don't think it's very deep. Uh, you and I disagreed on three out of the top 10 uh, on each of our lists. And, you know, when it, when you get down past like the five or six range, I was really have a, having a struggle trying to find some guys who I thought were, were worthy of a top 10 ranking compared to a lot of other teams, quite frankly. And the top of their list doesn't really have any franchise players or, or blue chip prospects either. Um, uh, we disagreed on the on the the top ranked prospect, but I think their top two prospects are in the in the very good category, but not great. Yeah, um, I, I agree with that. I I mean, I I don't think they're one of the stronger teams in the league. You got to look at the fact that Kirby Doc no longer qualifies as a prospect, uh, and that's a big one. Um, Adam Bockfist, who wouldn't have qualified as a prospect anyways, but he's young and he was traded. Those are their their really high draft picks that they've had in this short of, of short rebuild um, are those two guys. So uh, when they're not counting in your pool, there is no real top pick that's, that's out there. That, that's really high, you know, a top 10 pick. True. True. That is a very good point to take under consideration that they have some elite prospects that have graduated. Um, so let's talk about the guys that, that are on the rankings um, our top two, as I mentioned, are uh, the same, but not in the same order. Uh, you have Lucas Reichel and I have Nick Bodan. Um, so I put Nick Bodan at number one. I think he's got a little bit better uh, star power upside. Um, I kind of like uh, his resume for that uh, a little bit more than uh, Lucas Reichel. Um, and he spent the majority of last season in the NHL already. So I think he's a little bit further developed as well, uh, being 21 years old. He's a little undersized, uh, but he more than uh, compensates for his lack of size with his mobility and his hockey sense. Uh, this guy moves around the ice real nice and he keeps his head up and he understands how to anticipate plays and where to play positionally so that, he doesn't have to be very big to be effective defensively. And, you know, he can he can make himself um, effective offensively using that uh, mobility and hockey sense as well. Uh, I really think that he fits the model of the successful NHL defenseman in the era that we're living in right now. And, you know, his resume is pretty good, too. Um, so that's why I have him at one number one. Um, do you want to talk about Lucas Reichel or, or Bodin or, or both and maybe uh, a little bit of uh, what went into your decision making to have him in reverse order? Um, I, I see Reichel as as being um, just a little bit younger, and, uh, and and so the the upside is still there. And he hasn't even come to North America. This will be his first season uh, in North America playing in the AHL. Um, so he, he had a very good season already playing against men uh, last year in the German league. Uh, had twenty seven points in in thirty eight games. Uh, and, and he's a strong skater and who can score goals, whether that's uh, getting to the front of the net and scoring or uh, taking a wrist shot, which he has a very, very good release. Um, his toe drag is particularly effective in just changing the angle on his shot right before he lets it go, which uh, is something that can give goalies issues uh, when you get the puck off as quickly as he does. And so that's that's kind of where I see him. I think he's going to start the season in Rockford based on uh, the Blackhawks, you know, early uh, training camp results as well. Uh, Bodan, I, I've liked for a while, you know, first rounder uh, late in, in 2018, uh, but a, a solid uh, a solid QMJHL career for him. And he was all right last year for the Blackhawks. He, he, he put up six points in 19 games. 
but he still had some issues defensively. He still needs to a couple things to work on. And I think the Blackhawks see that and, and are putting him to play big minutes this year in, in Rockford. Um, you can see, you know, there's definitely an opening for the Hawks uh, for a, a player like him to play on the power play uh, and to do that. Uh, but they've gone and signed uh, Eric Gustafson instead of, uh, so that they don't rush their, their young prospect. And I don't think that that's a bad move. I, I think that that was smart given uh, what we saw from him last year, maybe he's up in the second half of the year. Uh, he may not spend the whole season in the AHL, but a little bit of time uh, isn't a bad thing uh, for a young prospect, a young defenseman, especially. Interesting that you talk about um, the defenseman and power play time. And that's something that we're going to touch on a couple times throughout this podcast, because the Hawks have three or four defensemen who um, will be competing for that. Um, and the NHL these days is is really focusing on the four and one with one defenseman on the first power play unit and maybe two on the second. So not a lot of power play time to go around for defensemen uh, playing on the first unit there. And I think we're all assuming at this point that Seth Jones is, has got a, a pretty firm grip on that for the foreseeable future. Um, these kids to, to play him out of that position, something is pretty significant is, is going to have to happen. Um, so that's top one, two players, Nick Bodin and Lucas Reichel or Lucas Reichel and Nick Bodin, depending on which list you're looking at, uh, moving on, we're going defense again. Um, so you had Ian Mitchell at three, but he is, uh, disqualified from my list because he's, he's graduated by my criteria. So we'll skip him, which makes us both have Wyatt Kalniuk. Uh, Kalinuk as our next ranked prospect. So he's a defenseman who played last season, uh, mainly in the NHL uh, and the American Hockey League. He's a uh, really interesting progression file here. So he's the third ranked prospect for the Chicago Blackhawks when he went undrafted in 2015 and 2016. And then finally, the Chicago, or sorry, the Philadelphia Flyers actually. Uh, drafted him in the seventh round and he's playing NCAA with the Wisconsin Badgers. He had 78 points in 110 career games and then used a um, CBA loophole to sign as a free agent, uh, not with Philadelphia, but with Chicago Blackhawks. And last year was his first pro season, um, played eight games in the American Hockey League and racked up 10 points. Remember, he's a defenseman. Uh, And that earned him a recall and he never looked back. He played 21 games in the NHL with the Hawks and he had four goals and nine points in that span. So we're talking about an offensive defenseman. So here's clearly a fantasy relevant uh, player for you. The only concern is I think his defensive game is a liability and I'm not sure what you think his strengths and weaknesses are, uh, but you had him at number three if you disqualify Mitchell on your list so you think pretty highly of him too I'd love to hear your uh, your scouting analysis on Wyatt Conrad yeah I I like him as a skater I think he he has you know very good mobility uh, on the blue line which is becoming more and more important I mean we're seeing the top young defenders in the NHL and I'm not comparing him to any of these players but when you look at you know the Kale McCars and the, and the Quinn Hughes and all those guys coming into the league can all really skate and that's how they push uh, the offense. Uh, And so uh, Kaleniak has that uh, as well. Um, He he does need to to work on his defensive game. He can back off a bit too much. I find at times and and give uh, his man too much ice in in front of him. And and that um, can cause some problems. He's got the, the tools to be a good defender uh, but he's also got to clean up uh, his giveaways and in his first pass out of the zone, which can also sometimes, you know, it gets a little bit risky trying to to push the pace and, and can make a mistake that way. So th- there are some things that, that need to be developed, but uh, he, he's a bit older. I mean, he's 24 years old. Um, in terms of fantasy, the only thing I would I- advise people, I don't think it's a long-term injury, but I, he is starting the season uh, on uh, the injured le- uh, list uh, due to a um, sprained ankle that he suffered in training camp. So I'm not sure exactly how long he- that he's going to be out, but that's something for 
uh, people to monitor if they're they're looking at him in the, their fantasy league. He might be a guy that in a week or two has slipped through the cracks and, and you pick him up off your waiver wire if he if he comes in and, and starts to look good and looks like he's getting minutes in Chicago. But again, the power play time, like you said, um, the first power play unit's going to go to Seth Jones and then who's getting the second unit? Is it Eric Gustafson? Is it Kalyanuk? Is, is it someone else? And that's going to be your biggest issue. Yeah. One thing I like about him in terms of uh, going for fantasy ownership is he's already 24 years old. So it's not like this is a player who's, you know, 18 or 19 years old and you'll have to stash him on your prospect roster for, <laughs> for four or five seasons or whatever. I mean, he's already 24 years old. Um, whatever he plays this season will, will give you everything you need to know about his long-term potential. If he flames out, then, you know, just walk away, drop him. Uh, and if he comes in and he keeps producing at the rate he's already produced and albeit a very short sample size, um, that's found money. That's, that's good stuff right there. So the next guy I had raked on my list was a defenseman again. And this is a player that you didn't even have ranked. Uh, I went with, uh, at fourth overall, Alec Ragula. 21 year old, six foot four, 207 pound defenseman, uh, third round draft pick by the Detroit Red Wings. So this is another acquired prospect that the Hawks have gone out and, uh, uh, and sought out. Um, he, after he was acquired by Chicago, he had a bit of a breakout season uh, with the London Knights in the OHL. He scored 27 goals and 60 points in 56 games, which are pretty gaudy numbers for a defenseman. But, you know, playing for the London Knights, they're a pretty good team. Uh, last year, his follow-up to that was his rookie season in the pro, and the offensive numbers didn't come with him. Four points in 16 games in the AHL. Um, but, you know, he's six foot four. He's a right-shot defender, and he skates very well. Uh, even if he's not contributing in a first-line pairing capacity with with time on the power play i still think he brings other things to the game uh that will give him an opportunity to play in the nhl a little bit unlike kalanak if, if he's not put in enough a position to create offense i'm not sure that he carries the same sort of value on a bottom pairing that alec regula would have um but based on kalanak's short sample size and, and the upside the potential for him to 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 have a higher um, plateau, I gave him the slight edge here. Um, so these guys were pretty close for playing different styles of games, but you didn't have Regula ranked in your top 10. Um, tell me what you think about him. I, I had him just outside the top 10. I, I probably would have had him at 11 to, to be honest. Um, but, uh, he very much, he had that big offensive season, uh, in London, but I didn't see a lot of that last year. Um, and I think, you know, you have to look at maybe that one season as a, as a one-off because he really came out and was drafted, uh, more for his defensive skills and, and, uh, he's a big guy. Um, and you've got, uh, you've got him at, at that end of the ice, you know, he's six foot four. Um, he's a good skater for his size and, uh, is good defensively one-on-one, uh, as well so he he can play in the league i do think that you know it may take it may take a year in in rockford but i think he will play in the league i think you've got that right my question is is his upside is he a, a five six uh guy in the nhl or is he going to be part of of their top four and i just see him more as being a a third pairing type of defenseman uh going forward all right fair enough so moving on from from there we the next uh, player I had on my list was uh, Drew Camesso, a goaltender playing uh, with the Boston University Terriers right now. Uh, I think he has their future starting goaltender position uh, is his to lose right now. Uh, he's a 2020 second round draft pick. The only goalie taken higher than him in that year was Yaroslav Askarov. And, you know, we've, he's got a pretty good high profile there. Uh, his uh, follow-up to the draft, he was a freshman with the Terriers. Uh, and he played 11 games, short season there last season. Uh, he also earned 
a roster spot as the, uh, I think it was the third goalie with Team USA at the World Championships, not the World Juniors, the World Championships. Didn't uh, didn't see any game time there, but I think just, you know, making that team um, is an accomplishment. So congratulations to him there. He's a positionally sound goalie. He's got a lot of confidence and he plays high in the crease. He challenges shooters and he's really good at puck handling. He's 19 years old. I think he's going to have another season, maybe two, in the NCAA. Uh, getting some reps there before he plays in the American Hockey League and challenges for an NHL position. Uh, you had him ranked sixth, so just one spot behind where I have him. Uh, what's your scouting analysis on Drew Comesso? I, I agree with all of that. I think, you know, he's, he's a young goalie is very talented um, and, and big, uh, uh, you know, a big uh, part of, of showing that is making that team USA uh, roster. They didn't just take him just because they're looking at developing him uh, as a future goalie for Olympic uh, type competition. And they're seeing him in that type of stratosphere. That's what they do. Uh, team USA doesn't always send the best team they can send to the world championships. They often treat it as a developmental tournament, as opposed to some of the European countries who really put their best out there, but they do see him as a future uh, potential goalie in, in the USA program. So he's, you got decent size at six foot two. He's got good legs. He tracks the puck. Well, um, he, he stays square to the shooters and he comes out and challenges a lot. Uh, biggest issue, and this is an issue with many young goalies, is the rebound control at this point. But again, 19 years old, that's not unusual that he, he needs a little work on it, on his rebound control. Um, I, I often see that in, in young goalies. I mean, the guys who don't are guys like uh, Askarov who, who end up going to, who, who have that rebound stuff down, uh, are the guys who are looking at top 15 picks in the draft and, and, uh, that but uh Camiso definitely has everything that you would want in a goalie of course you know the the saying in in prospect uh circles when you look at goalies is that goalies are voodoo so he's he's got a heck of a a, a chance to be there but there's nothing guaranteed ever with the with a goaltender whether they're a second round pick or a seventh round pick ain't that the truth all right, so we both like him. He's got lots of upside, but uh, we'll see where he is. What do you think his um, timeline is for turning pro or challenging for a roster spot? How many do you give him? One more year of, of college, or just this year? I think he goes this year and one more year of college. Plays out his junior season. Um, most goalies tend to go stay in college longer than skaters. Just goalies develop slower. And then when you consider that last year, he only played 11 games because of uh, Hockey East having a very, you know, uh, restrictive schedule. Uh, that conference was was uh, one that canceled a lot of games yeah. uh, last year. So the fact is he basically played a half season, not really a full season at the college level. You like you would ideally want him to get up to like 25 games this year um, at least. And. Uh, and possibly even touch 30. Um, so you, you can see him there for, for a couple seasons and then into the AHL. The Blackhawks do have, you know, Kevin Lankinen, who's who's backing up Flurry right now. And I think um, they see him as competing as well for the number one spot. And I think Camiso will be there as well. But I think they've kind of given up on on Colin Delia and, and a couple of other young goalies who are, you know, as we said, goalies are voodoo. So um, they've kind of given up uh, uh, at that uh, end of things. And now we'll see where, uh, where Camiso and uh, Lankinen go. Yeah. I had 20 players total that I gave consideration to the top 10 ranking. And he was the only goaltender on that list. I think he's going to spend a few more years in college as well. Um, I think he's better suited there than he would be in the ECHL. And that's probably where he would go if he came out now. I mean, it's the thing about goalies is you can only have two on a roster, right? You got a starter and a backup every game. So you've got two in the NHL, two in the AHL, and then the rest, you know, kind of go further down. And so it's not uncommon for goalies when they graduate out of like junior hockey to start in the East Coast Hockey League. And, you know, so you see all the skaters play in the, in the upper level in the American Hockey League, uh, the high draft pro, profile skaters. 
but the goalies can often sometimes start in the ECHL and that's not uncommon. Um, but you know, he is 20 years old now, I think 19. So, you know, give him two more years in the NCAA and and then kind of maybe if he's good enough, he can bypass that East coast hockey league, um, rookie season and, and just go right into the American hockey league. Yeah. And in a July birthday too. So one of the later, well, younger players in, in any given draft, right? Right. All right. So the next guy I had on my list is defenseman Wyatt Kaiser. I have him ranked seventh. You had him uh, higher. You had him at five. I want to say it was. Yeah. Um, this is another interesting defensive prospect in the Hawks system. He's 19 years old. He's a third round pick from the 2020 draft. Uh, and the Hawks drafted him uh, out of U.S. Uh, high school league, I believe. Uh, maybe Shattuck St. Mary's. Um, and last year, a little bit. He had a he had a handful of games in the um, USHL, Dubuque in the USHL, but mostly high school. Yeah, right. And he had nine goals and thirty four points in twenty five games last year. Uh, you know, so he's an offensive defenseman, and that was the scouting report on him. He's an offensive defenseman, and you know, yeah, he's he's lighting it up offensively, but he's playing high school hockey. It's a pretty low level uh, of, of hockey, and you know, what will his problems be when he gets up to the higher levels? Is can he continue to score, and how bad will his def- defensive liabilities be? Well flip the calendar and he goes into the NCAA as a freshman on a good team with the university of Minnesota Duluth. And he's their number one defenseman and he didn't score a single goal. He had 10 points in 28 games. So he wasn't prolifically offensive, um, but he through the course of the year and in, and in short order, he won the confidence of the coaches uh, and found himself playing prime minutes and prime situation as a, you know, 18, 19 year old uh, rookie, uh, which is, which is very impressive. So he's a strong skater. He's got good speed and agility and, and lateral mobility. Um, so I like the way that he skates and I think he's been underrated defensively and uh, potentially overrated offensively. Um, you know, maybe that's just, I'm not sure what the coaching deployment was for him at Minnesota Duluth there. If, if they didn't want him to worry about generating offense, just lock it down and play big minutes and lock it down. And maybe that's what he did. Um, you were pretty high on him too, a little, a little higher than me. So what's your scouting analysis on this kid? Well, I, I'm, you know, I don't see a lot of the kids in, in high school. So basically going into before he was drafted, I had only seen, you know, from the, his appearance at the Holenka and then a handful of the 11 games or so that he played in the USHL. So that's what I was looking at prior to, to the draft. And then we saw a lot more of him last year. So I feel like I've got a better handle on him now than I did uh, prior to his, his draft. Uh, and the, the skating is, is outstanding. He's, you know, as good a skater as you'll see at that age and his, uh, mobility, uh, really helps him. And he uses that very well defensively to just keep his man to the outside, keep him to, uh, he's not overly physical, but he guides people away from the net and into bad shooting areas. He's willing to, to battle on the boards for loose pucks, but don't expect him to throw like those huge hits that are going to make highlight reels. Uh, he's not afraid to, to use his body, but he, it's, it's more pushing and shoving and, and angling people away from the net and battling for pucks than it is looking for uh, the highlight reels type uh, of bone crunching hit or anything of that nature. So that's kind of what you get from him. In terms of offense, I like his passing and, and his ability to handle the puck. Uh, where the offense is really uh, dries up is that teams will give him the shot and take away the passing lanes because his shot just is not a, a huge threat. He he needs to add some power to, to really challenge goalies or to be able to sneak in from the line and get off a wrist shot, uh, you know, from the top of the circles rather than, than trying to take a slap shot from the point because uh, – in terms of his slap shot, his windup's a little bit big and it's not as hard as you'd ideally want it to be, to be a real threat from the point. So I think, you know, in, in terms of 
going forward. I don't think he's going to be a big power play guy. He may be able to provide some, some a little bit of some assists and stuff at five on five, but I think he makes it as being as a, a strong defensive player, just keeping people away from the front of the net and, and angling them to the corners and, and to the boards. And that's kind of where I see his future going. Yeah, me too. And from a fantasy hockey perspective, this is a gigantic red flag. If this is a player that, you know, you're not watching personally and, and don't have a really strong handle for what his game is like, you're just looking at all these prospect rankings and seeing this Wyatt Kaiser kid coming out of college and he's just rocketing up the depth charts on everyone's prospect rankings. Like this is a guy who wasn't on my radar at all a year ago. Um, you know, he's relatively decent draft profile but i didn't really give him you know he's a third round 81st overall pick i didn't really like him very much because he was playing high school hockey and i wasn't watching the high school hockey and quite frankly i'm not really interested in high school hockey players that play well there need to show me they can do it at another level before i'm really convinced so i don't think his offense translates to the nhl uh, I agree with you there. And then basically what you told me about the way he plays defensively, he's just a smart positional player. He's not even going to rack you up peripheral stats. So this is a player who I think is is trending high, hard in the right direction, has a good NHL certainty that he'll make it to the NHL. But once he gets there, like I'm not sure what, what categories he's going to produce in enough to make him fantasy relevant and anything other than like really, really, really deep pools. And, you know, that's, that's a concern. I mean, the, the comparison is a bit of a Brett Kulak type, you know? It, right. And who gets excited to own him in their fantasy league? Yeah, exactly. The, you know, the advanced stats are a lot better than the, um, the counting stats that fantasy leagues go for. Right. All right. So, you know, let other people overpay to to draft him or or acquire him in trade. If you own him in trade, this might be a sell high point for you coming up, especially if he has a really good season this year in the NCAA. The next guy I had rated on my on my list is we're going back to forward again. Mm-hmm. And I got some red flags with this one, too. Uh, I wasn't even sure I wanted to include him in, in the top 10. So I have at seven, Evan Barrett, and you had him at eight. So we're right in the same area. And he's 22 years old, but in my opinion, he's trending in the wrong direction uh, hard. This is a guy who probably would have been in my top five rankings last year. If I had to go through and look it up again, I bet you he'd be in there. And then you look at all the players that Chicago's graduated that were ahead of him, and you think he should be a lock for number one. And he went in the opposite direction for me. Um, And that's just because, quite frankly, I'm not really seeing any progression from him uh, in his career since he's turned pro. Um, What's your take on it? I think there's there's two worrying signs. I didn't do a 2020 update with the way the weird season was and when the offseason went and and stuff. So I looked back at my 2019 and I had him at number three in 2019. And he was coming off a season where put up 43 points in 32 games for Penn State, played for the U.S. team at the World Juniors, and was looking like a really, really good prospect. And then things seemed to regress. He only had, you know, a point. He he was almost at 1.3 points per game that year. The next year at Penn State, he's right on a point per game and with 34 in in 34 games. And then he goes to to Rockford last year. And and one thing I want to caution people about AHL stats last year is that was probably the weakest AHL that we've ever seen because there were so many young kids in the league. And then you also had um, the veterans who normally would would populate AHL rosters. You had them, the the top goalies all up on taxi squads as third goalies in the NHL with the, the taxi squad rules. You had at least one, one or two forwards uh, who are top veteran type players in the AHL up on your taxi squad and a, a top defenseman up on your, your taxi squad. So you're basically taking out a goalie, a defenseman and two forwards off of every AHL team. And, and it's all their, their best veteran players and replacing them with 18 and 19 year olds who struggle in the AHL to, to be frank. And so to see him go into the AHL and, and only get 14 points in 27 games, it's not really a, a solid season. This is really 
after number, you know, when I got to number eight, Barrett almost got there by process of elimination in that there was no one else I really liked. And this is where I say <laughs> the, the, the Hawks system is not that deep. Um, you know, he plays gritty. He plays well defensively. But I really don't see him being, you know, part of, of a top six future in, in Chicago. If he makes it in the NHL, it's going to be on the bottom, you know, on the fourth line or maybe on the third line. Uh, but I've just, the offense just hasn't progressed the way you'd hope after that strong 2019 season when he broke out. Uh, the last two years have, have been regression, and, and that's a bad sign for a kid who's 21 years old. I totally agree. And another red flag here that is this slapping me in the face with concern is his skating. Uh, that's been the knock on him for his whole career. And, you know, I'm not really seeing anyone that's writing anything that says, oh, it's getting better. He's really improved his skating. It's still the big knock on him. And I think it's going to keep him out of the NHL. Um, I think his uh, his shot is good and he's got size and he's good defensively, but he doesn't have a lot of creative playmaking abilities. I don't think he's, he thinks and sees the game offensively well enough for the NHL level. I don't think he skates well enough for the NHL level. Um, you know, basically I think he's, he's holding on to a top 10 spot here by a thread and with one hand, you know, or on, on the edge of the cliff by his fingernails or whatever. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's off my list next year. If I owned him in my fantasy league, I would be looking to sell while I can and get whatever I could in return for him. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I don't know. Like I said, I, even if he makes the NHL, I don't see him getting a, a big role. Um, in the league. Okay. So uh, yeah, we're getting into the, the, the short strokes here and, you know, we're grasping at straws for, for players to qualify in the top 10. Like I mentioned off the top, I have number eight Landon Slaggart. So this is a player that you didn't have ranked. Um, so he didn't even make your top 10 or 11. Uh, he's a 19 year old. He's a 2020 third round draft pick by the Hawks. Uh, you know, he's not overly big six foot one eighty one. He's not, particularly prolific offensively. But I think what the Hawks hope they have here in this player is a future Andrew Shaw. He's a banger. He loves to hit. He plays a gritty physical game. He's aggressive. He's an agitator. He made the um, American World Junior roster mm -hmm. and won gold medal with him. Was held pointless in that tournament, but wasn't asked to score, really. He was asked to do what he does best. And that's bruise the other team's players, make them play, you know, with their head up and with a sense of urgency to get rid of the puck when they get it, if he's on the ice. Um, so I think that, you know, this is a role that we haven't talked about in our top 10 rankings yet. So while he might not be the most skilled player, uh, I think he plays a niche that might just give him a, a sliver of an advantage or a window of opportunity to, despite not being the more talented players, on the list still earn a spot because you know while the nhl isn't a goon league anymore he's not a goon but there is absolutely a role for players like that on teams and they can be extremely effective um you didn't like him enough to put in your top 10 what do you see in him he's he's a good enough skater that you know with a everybody's going to improve a little bit between you know their age of 19 and when they when they make the nhl so he's a good enough skater that he should get there uh, that way and he's strong enough physically especially at the the NCAA level where he's playing you know he played as a freshman last year so he was one of the younger players I I in the league and played that physical style that that you mentioned as a as a wrecking ball and that if you're in a league that's going to reward hits and and penalty minutes um, he's worth taking a flyer on especially you got to see where he slots into a lineup he's one of those players that's going to be very lineup dependent if for some reason he gets like a Zach Hyman type of role uh, on a team uh, where he's he's up with, you know, uh, in a couple of years when he makes it and he's up with Kirby Doc and, and whoever and Reichel and the, the other top players uh, who are, are more creative on the Blackhawks. Uh, he could have put up points just by going to the net, digging in the corners and doing the dirty work. If he gets slotted into the third line, then there's probably not going to be huge offensive production. So he's one of those guys who are, you always have to keep an eye on what line he's playing with uh, because his line mates, he, he can fit in with talented line mates, 
but those talented line mates will be the ones driving the offense and driving the numbers. Yeah, if you go to own Landon Slager in your fantasy league, it's because you want him to help win your category for hits that week. Um, that's pretty much all he's going to help you with the winning. He, he might rack up some peripheral offensive stats as a you know as a default by being on a line with good players, but I don't think he's going to make it into the Hawks' top six at any point in his career. Um, that's very unlikely. But you know, if you're in a deep, deep league and like some of the ones that I'm in that have multi-categories head-to-head sort of situations um you know he'll have he'll have some value for you especially in the early stages of his career when he's young and aggressive and, and eager to make an impression and playing on his elc and his minors eligible and he could even be multiple multiple position eligibility because he's a, a versatile winger so that's landon slaggert uh he'll be playing oh shoot where is he i think he's in ncaa Notre Dame, right. Okay. So number nine, getting down to the, the bottom 10 here. Uh, we both have number nine Colton doc on both of our lists. So that's handy. Um, so he is the brother. It's this summer of brotherly love in Chicago. Mm-hmm. They united the, the Joneses and now they've united the doc brothers, both all in Chicago. So he's also coming out of the, the WHL, like his older brother did. He's uh he's got great size. He's 18 years old and he's six foot four, 205 pounds. But if you've listened to any of these episodes, you know that I, I, I caution people not to scout prospects with a measuring tape, and that goes both ways. So just because he's got really impressive size doesn't mean that he can play in the NHL. Um, in fact, the biggest knock on, on him is his skating. So it can take larger players time to develop their skating, like we talked about a minute ago. Um, and he was a point of game player in the WHL. So he's got some offensive chops. Uh, he's got some physical chops, but, uh, but can he skate well enough? Is that a, a, a component of his game that he can develop and make him an NHL player? I think I, I've seen enough 18-year-olds who, who I've had skating questions uh, around in the last several years, like this is something that 20 years ago, if you couldn't skate, you were done. Like if you couldn't skate at 18, you were done. Uh, but in the, in the last, you know, five to 10 years, we've seen teams bring in skating coaches, bring in figure skating coaches, bring in uh, all kinds of people to work with prospects on their skating. And I've seen a number of prospects that's improved. It's not a guarantee. Um, some will never get better, but there, there are ones who have. So I think he's worth taking a chance on for the Blackhawks, especially where they did in the third round uh, to to get Colton Dock. And he may end up on the wing rather than at center. There's a little bit less skating required on the wing. You don't have to go back as, as deep in your own end uh, to help with the defensive duties uh, as much. And, and so it may be a, a position change for him going forward. And he wouldn't be the first you know, guy to play uh, on the wing. He's already played some wing in the WHL as well. So I kind of see him as a poor man's version of his brother. I mean, his brother had the, had almost everything the same, uh, except his brother can had the skating right from, from day one. And so that, uh, that kind of put uh, Kirby uh, as a, that's the difference between a top five pick and a, and a third round uh, pick there um, needs a little bit improving his his consistency and his playmaking there are games where his passes just seem a little off and there are games when he's he's right on so he he could play in the in the league if he develops properly but it's that skating that's going to be the big question so young though that it, it, it is possible doesn't turn 19 till january yeah when when teams go out and get brothers a lot of the times it's you've got a, a brother that has really great potential you know like star player potential so they'll require his other brother who maybe doesn't have the same sort of pedigree or upside uh as a recruiting tactic um i don't think that's the case here because they already had kirby doc in their system so they've added his his light lighter version younger brother after the fact uh so they they didn't have to recruit him and they also spent some pretty significant draft capital to acquire him he's a 62nd overall pick in the last year's draft so you know that's that's a pretty relevant draft choice to just throw away to keep one of your existing players uh happy and content 
So I think it's a, a bit of both, quite frankly. I, I don't think it hurts drafting uh, his brother and having him in the system. Uh, and they can, you know, work out and practice together in the off seasons and training camps. And maybe in a few years, travel together on the same team uh, with the Hawks. Um, one, so thing you also, one thing yeah. you also get with brothers, especially the younger brother, is this is, is a family where their father uh, was involved and, and as well, you know, played some, some high level hockey. Uh, as well. And then you've got the older brother who goes through the systems as a top prospect all the way through. So every coach on, on every team is going to point at Colton doc and say, you know, that's Kirby's younger brother. That's someone that you've got to watch. That's a, so there's pressure there. And so you've already know that that kid can deal with um, the pressure of coming into the NHL and of, of, of having all eyes on him because he's been, uh, put through that pressure cooker all through minor hockey. Uh, and, and that's something that you have to consider. And then as well, you get to know the family when you have, you know, Kirby in your, on your team. Um, and you'll, you'll get to know, it, you know, is Colton training with him in the off season? Are they, how hard is Kirby working? And is his brother working just as hard? And if you see that, then it can tell you a lot about uh, a player's character. And, and um, that can be a, a good thing for, you know, a, a team. Um, you can say that the Blackhawks had more data on, on Colton Dock than, than basically anyone in the NHL in terms of his intangibles. That's a really good point. I never really thought about that, but that does give them a distinct insider's advantage as to what's this player's um, personality like. What's their, what's their family um, upbringing like? I mean, you can ask questions in interviews and all that and talk to coaches, but... Um, Man, you've got you got empirical data here to work with. All right, so number ten on my list is a player I feel like I'm, I might have to defend here. I, I kind of went for a bit of a reach, but I figured you know all of these players aren't really top ten worthy anyway. So I'm going to pick a player that I like, and I'm really personally I want him to succeed. And I threw him on my list so that you know in time, if people who said why do you have this guy on your list? He sucks. Uh, and then he makes it. It makes me look like a genius. And if he doesn't, well, I could just say, well, it was a crappy, <laughs> crappy pool anyways. Yeah. So I went with 23-year-old Russian Andre Altibarmakayan. And he's a 2017 third-round pick. And he spent the last couple seasons uh, bouncing around in his uh, home country of Russia, playing games in the KHL, the VHL, the MHL in international games. And, you know, quite frankly, his, his stat line over there is, is not particularly impressive, but we all know that the KHL isn't really a good developmental league. Um, he played limited minutes on a lot of teams and he played on some pretty poor teams too. Um, that being said, his production did show some signs of progression the whole entire time he was over there. And he signed his entry-level contract and will be making his North American uh, and made his North American debut last season. Um, 29 games, he had 12 points. It's, you know, that's not great, but it's not bad. And to your point, it wasn't, you know, Rockford wasn't a very good team last year. So, you know, I, I think there's upside there. I, I, the reason why I like this guy is because he's only 5'11", 192, but he plays, uh, a, he's got a motor. He plays with some Charlie Hustle. And, you know, I keep saying how much I love that. He's got a very high compete level. Uh, his skill level is, is flashy and impressive. He makes some really nice highlight reel uh, plays, you know, stick handling, deeks, passes, uh, you know, breakaway goals, that kind of stuff. So he's got a little bit of a wow factor to him. He's a very versatile player. His, his forecheck is uh, very competitive and, and he competes hard that way uh, and defensively as well. Um, I think he's, got the opportunity to have a bit of a breakout season in the American hockey league this year, and even maybe see some time in the NHL if he gets a recall and he's a player I could see in the very near future at 23 years old competing for a roster spot and having a bunch of people kind of say this, who the hell is this kid? He's kind of come out of nowhere. So maybe this is the first time you're hearing about him on the DPR show. Uh, ben, I'm very anxious to hear what your take was. Cause I don't think he was on your radar at all here. I didn't have him in my in my top, you know, ten and in, in my sleeper prospect as well. I didn't didn't have him listed. I did ha look at him in the system. I, you can see who I looked at uh, at the bottom of my article. Uh, I do see the the hard work and there's some flash in his game. Uh, you know, the the points he did score 
uh, were often very pretty points, and and uh, but they don't they don't give marks for style. Uh, unfortunately, if they did, uh, maybe a little bit higher. Uh, but it does show that there is some skill there. I certainly agree with you that you know it, it's now or never, though. Given that he's 23 years old, it really has to be a big season in the AHL for him um, in order to. Uh, to make it to the next step or or he's going to get surpassed by younger prospects um, just coming through the just coming through the Blackhawk system that's kind of where I where I see him as it's uh it's a now or never type season for him being the second year in North America you know the first year new living situation COVID on top of that couldn't you know often leave the house and things like that it's got to be a tough adjustment for any young kid you know 22 years old I can only imagine how I would have dealt with with COVID at 22. It's a lot different than how I uh, how I dealt with this uh, at almost 40 now. Um, so, and, and added to that, being in a new country, and we all know that that takes time. So, but now that it's his second year, absolutely, let's see what he can do. I just wasn't prepared to put him in my in my top 10 until I see it, kind of kind of thing. Yeah, no, I certainly appreciate that. I like I said, I. I'm making a bit of a reach here and taking a swing, but it's my ranking, so I can do that. Uh, so on your rankings, the players that you had inside your top 10 that that missed my rankings, uh, you had Nolan Allen at number seven. So he was the Hawks' 2021 first-round pick. They acquired in trade, uh, 32nd overall. So only a first-round pick this year. Any other year, he would have been in the second round. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not super familiar with him, but my take on him is his upside is questionable. So his ceiling, I, I think is pretty low, but I think his floor is, is, is pretty impressive. So he's a safe pick, if not a sexy pick, uh, where they took him. Uh, I just don't see that translating to, you know, fantasy relevancy and, and I don't see any star potential there, but what's your take? Yeah, I don't see the fantasy relevance here. I, I also thought he was a bit of a reach. I mean, we, we had him ranked. Uh, going into the draft at 68. So we had him as an early third rounder. Um, and so I was a bit surprised when he was taken uh, in, in the first round, even it, with it being the 32nd overall pick. Um, again, I think the comparison is, and I'm not saying he's going to be this good, but if he becomes something like a, a Nicholas uh, Harmelson uh, type player, then then that's what the Blackhawks are looking for here. Uh, there's not a lot of offensive upside. What you what you see is what you get from him from an, an offensive perspective. Um, he only had two points last year in 16 games with with Prince Albert in the WHL. Put up another two points at the under 18s and seven games for a Canadian team that was at the under 18s. You know, scoring seven eight goals a game on teams like Sweden and and the Czechs and and uh, on, on everyone who who played against them. They were they were putting up six or more. So only to pick up two points in that tournament where, you know, if you passed it to Shane Wright or Connor Bedard, it was probably going in the net. Um, <laughs> he doesn't pass though. It's glassing out with this guy. Yeah. So I, I don't think that you're going to, to see um, big offensive numbers here. Guy who, again, in a deeper league, maybe when he comes in is going to get you the hits and the penalty minutes uh, type and, and block shots. But that's the type of player that, that you're going to get here. Um, but, you know, a, a solid skater for his size at, at six foot two. And, and I even wonder if that's six foot two. Um, he seems even bigger than that at times. So I, I, I think you've got another one of those defensive type defensemen there. Yeah, he, he didn't make my top 10, but he was my like 11th or 12th. But the other guy I had in contention there is another uh, Boston University player uh, and another defenseman, Alex Velasic. He's a monster of a defensive defenseman, and he plays big minutes for Boston U. Again, limited upside offensively. Um, he'd be a shutdown bottom pairing guy if he makes it to the NHL. Um, and, and another one who's even less fantasy relevant because he's very disciplined. Um, he doesn't get himself out of position and he doesn't, you know, take a lot of penalties. He only had 10 penalty minutes last year and 10 penalty minutes in his freshman year at Boston university as well. So he's not going to put up big penalty minute numbers and he's not going to get you a lot of uh, goals or assists, but another big defender who clears the front of the net, 
you know, wins his battles on the boards and, and gets the puck up the ice and, and kind of stays at home. Um, so, yeah, if you're looking from a fantasy perspective, I, I wouldn't have put him in my top 10. But I, I mean, my list isn't it is more rated on potential to make the NHL and, and how big of an impact they can have there, um, even without uh, without the fantasy type ranking. So. Right. I was looking at Alec Regula versus um, Alex Vlasic, and I was kind of, you know, going back and forth between which one I liked better. And I gave the edge to Regula because I think they, they're both good defensively and they're both big and and can play physical. But I just think Regula has got a little bit more offensive upside. I don't think he's going to be an offensive defenseman, but I think he's got the ability if he finds himself in a situation to capitalize, you know, he's got a a hard shot and he can make some nice passes Or I think as Vlasic is a little bit more like Nolan Allen, where if he gets the puck, he's just going to want to put it out of danger. He doesn't have an offensive mindset to his game. It's off the puck and and out. Uh, He Hmm. is the cousin of, uh, of Mark Edward Vlasic. Right. uh, As well. So, the player you had in your, your honorable mention prospect is another guy who, you know, I really wanted to put him in. And, and this is the guy that perhaps came closest to making my top 10. And that's Michael Tepley. Um, he produced really well in the WHL, but he's struggling to keep that offensive pace up at the pro level. Um, I just think that the speed and pace of the pro level games uh, is faster than he's able to catch up to. Um, so unfortunately, as much as I, I like this guy and I, I believe I even own him in one of my leagues, I think he's a prospect that's trending in the wrong direction. And he's not someone who's in my top 10 and might not even be on the radar next year. Um, you might think a little yeah. higher of him because you had him just outside. Well, I have him ranked as a sleeper prospect. So one of the things I do is I, I highlight one prospect who's not in the top 10 who is either drafted in the fourth round or later or went undrafted. So, you know, where would he have been on my list? I, I would have to look back on my notes, but he could have been 13 or 14. It would just be the next, the next guy. What I see here is a player who scored at, at younger levels uh, in the WHL. Um, and in his first year in the AHL, he really struggled. I thought with the physicality uh, of the league and he was just not, uh, mature enough physically to really handle it got knocked over a lot he listed at six foot three but only 187 pounds and I, I I say you know if he can keep his the skating that he does have which is as you said a little bit below average uh, if that doesn't drop at all as he adds more muscle um, he may be able to to carve out a career but again one of those long shot picks um, later in the draft, who, I, who I, I'm saying, you know, might have something there, but there's some things to work on. And one of the things is, of course, the skating. And the second thing is he just seemed to get knocked off the puck a bit too easily uh, in his first year playing against men. Yeah, and they've got a number of other prospects who I think are also kind of aging out and trending in the wrong direction. The guys that I'm just losing confidence in that I didn't really give any serious consideration to being inside the top 10. John Quenville, Slava Denham, um, Chad Kreese, um, Mackenzie Entwistle's on the fence there. I, he's not aging out, but he's a player I had on the outside looking in. He's even got some NHL game experience last year. I just don't think that if he ever makes the NHL, it won't be for a very sustainable period and it won't be out of a fourth line role. Um, I, I do like what I saw of him playing in the OHL. He was an impactful player there with his his size and his ability to shoot the puck the way he can. Um, I just don't think that that's going to translate to much success at the NHL level. Yeah, I saw him a lot in Hamilton, and he was big for that uh, the OHL winning um, the, the championship team they had a couple of years ago, playing with Robert Thomas and and Arthur Kaliev and and on that team. Um, but he was, he was very much an energy guy for them, put up his points, uh, through doing that in the OHL, but I don't think he'll be able to, to really do that in a, in a men's, you know, in the, in the NHL and, and facing, he's not going to have the, the size and, and speed advantage that he had in the OHL. And, and that's just going to take away a lot of his offense. And one last sleeper player that I want to talk about is Mike Hardman. 
he signed as a free agent out of Boston College, and he got in about uh, about a half a dozen games in the NHL with three points last season. He's 22 years old, and if I'm not mistaken, I think I saw that he was uh, sent down to the American Hockey League to start the season. Uh, but he's a player that I wouldn't be surprised gets a, a recall at some point during the season uh, and gets, gets another audition if he can play well uh, and sustainably well in the American Hockey League. Uh, is this a player that you have any notes on? I am just checking if I've got notes on him. I mean, I'll take it. Yeah, he kind of came out of nowhere being, you know, being a free agent signed out of out of Boston College. So, you know, he kind of kind of coming out of nowhere. But that's what you want your sleeper players to kind of do. That's what makes them sleepers. Yeah, I don't I don't have any notes on hand. I mean, if you look him up on the site, there may be something that I've written. <laughs> but when you've written on like 400 players, yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you got to pull back into the database at some point to, Absolutely. Uh, to see where your notes were. Um, and I'm just not pulling them up right now. Um, All right, but... Ben, were there any other Chicago Blackhawk players that you had uh, any thoughts on that you wanted to share or any, any kind of like sleepers, guys that I haven't brought up? You know, I think I think we've gone through everyone. Like I said, this just isn't a deep pool. Like I, no. I did. Now, <laughs> you know, full disclosure. I'm a, I'm a Montreal fan, so so full disclosure on that. Um, but I went, you know, twelve or thirteen deep on on theirs just to add in a couple prospects because I didn't want to leave Luke to Luke Tuck out or uh, uh, Jan Misak out. Um, there wasn't a player like that in Chicago where I was like, you know, he's just outside the top 10, but he really would be top 10 on a, on a lot of teams. And, I, you know, I'm not, you know, Montreal's lacking the high end prospects there uh, other than Cole Caulfield. Um, but yeah, the, the, the system, you just see the difference in the depth of the system when you look at, at those two teams or you look at an Ottawa and, and um, the Blackhawks or, or some of the other teams. I mean, they're probably a, a, a middle pack, lower tier. I'm, I'm going, I have to still go through now that I've written up all the teams, go through, you know, one to 32 in terms of ranking them. But uh, I, I think the Blackhawks will probably come in around 20th or so um, in terms of depth in the organization and maybe lower because they lack that, that high end prospect um, with trading away the pick. I believe the pick became Cole Cylinder. Yeesh. I think that uh, that they traded to Columbus. Yeah, I'd have to look that up. But and and then you see Cylinder, you know, he's centering the Columbus's first line coming out of training camp. Now I don't know how long he'll last there uh, yeah. this season, but uh, that's that's the type of prospect that you've given up to get a Seth Jones and to, like we said before, go back in this year and cut your rebuild short. That's what you're giving up is a player like that and of course the on top of that uh your Bachfist. yeah no it's not a deep pool that's for sure not like you know episode 108 i talked about carolina hurricanes prospects and they had you know 20 players that could have made uh yeah. the top 10 here uh in convincing fashion uh, so ben kerr from the last word on sports follow him on twitter at last word b k-e-r-r um at last word beaker uh ben tell me about your uh prospect rankings because we're just doing chicago here but you've done the whole nhl what else do you got coming down the pipe at last word on sports well there's 31 of 32 teams ranked right now um and i plan to get the tampa bay lightning done by the end of the week uh and have that out and then we will go through and rank our teams from 32 to 1 and rank our prospects from 100 down to one um, out there. So it, it, for most teams, unless you're a Tampa fan, and if you're a Tampa fan, I don't feel sorry for you with two Stanley Cups in a row. Mm -hmm. um, you can wait a little bit longer. Um, but if you're whatever team you're a fan of, um, if you, I'm sure the Blackhawks article will be in the link on this podcast. Um, in the first paragraph of that Blackhawks article or in any other article, you'll see a link uh, to just a list of all the teams and they're, they're all uh, linked there. So we've done top 10 uh, at least uh, for every team plus one sleeper prospect who, like I said, was the criteria of fourth round or later. And uh, we've done that for, for every team in the league. And uh, some teams got a little bit more than 10 if they were uh, particularly deep. 
and of course, uh, particularly rabid fan bases like uh, like Montreal. Um, I had to give them a, a couple extra because their fans will just read anything almost. Yeah, I'll, I'll absolutely <laughs> include a link in the show notes for it. And uh, I highly recommend that uh, the listeners go ahead and click on that and check it out. I, uh, I, I think they're bona fide rankings. You guys clearly watch the games. You, you do the work. You know what you're talking about. You can agree or disagree with, with the way they're ranked. And that's just the way... The world works. Everyone disagrees at some point on on these rankings. A few players here or there shouldn't be on the list. Should be higher. Should be lower. Shouldn't have been on the list. Whatever the case may be. Um, but uh, you know, I they they you read what they they say about the players. You can tell that they've they've watched them. They've done their homework and they have you know informed thought out opinions as to to why they're justifying those players being where they are. And um, I highly recommend them. I, it's it's really great material. Uh, that's all I've got for this episode. Ben, thanks very much for uh, joining me on the show. Coming up Thank on the, the next episode will be the Colorado Avalanche top 10 prospects. So I got to write that, post it, and then find a guest. So that might be a week away. Uh, but until then, enjoy this episode. Thank you for listening. Go ahead and hit the uh, the subscribe, the like button on whatever podcast um, platform you're listening to this show on apple spotify um podbean whatever i don't even know where it's listed anymore uh so thanks for listening enjoy the show and keep your stick on the ice